You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Welcome to our uh, Jewish Matters holiday series. and Today we're going to talk about Purim, the hidden holiday. And if you think about it, Purim is kind of a strange holiday. Uh, it's a wild holiday. We get drunk. Uh, we get dressed up in costumes. So it's not that Purim is a Jewish Halloween. Halloween is a non-Jewish Purim. We were there way before. Uh, we bang and make noise when we read the Megillah every time Haman's name is mentioned. So we're trying to hear this uh, book being read, and then we make all this noise, so it's hard to hear. And the rabbis say something very strange. It's the only holiday that'll be left after the Messianic period. So what is the um, idea behind all of this? So it's also a wild story, if you think about it. The Megillah itself, right? Jewish girl taken into the king's harem as the heroine, and Mordechai refuses to bow down, almost gets all the Jews killed. And at the same time, it's a holiday of joy, but this was the first attempted Holocaust. And uh, most puzzling, it's the only book in the Torah without God's name mentioned. And uh, the story itself we dealt with in the other podcast, so check that out if you want some of the insights into those questions. But I'd like to focus here upon uh, the customs of the holiday because they are really the vehicle through which the core themes come out and they are the experiential side of what makes Purim Purim, uh, one of the most fun Jewish holidays. So there are four essential mitzvot for the day with subparts to it. They're gonna be the Megillah, sending gifts to our friends, giving charity, and having a banquet, having a festive meal. So let's go through each of them. So the first one here, the Megillah. So the mitzvah is to hear the Megillah at night and during the day. And uh, the rabbis say the Megillah is almost like a prayer. In what way? So it's the holiday of uh, remembering the story, uh, which is really the source of our joy. So it's it brings the joy of knowing that we were saved. And that in itself is like a prayer to God. It gets us to turn to the Almighty. So it's not just a joy like, wow, great, I was saved, but a joy of gratitude. And as we mentioned, we have the custom to use the Jugrager to wipe out Haman and his evil. There's a mitzvah to wipe out Amalek. So we're wiping out Haman's name by making noise over it. That's the idea. And, uh, but the essential message of the story is God's hidden, yet at the same time, the events are divinely directed. So mitzvah to hear in the Megillah twice. Uh, In Corona times, rabbis have permitted hearing it over the phone if synagogue attendance is limited and you can't get to a synagogue or it might be dangerous. So the next mitzvah of sending gifts. So we send gifts. Uh, we're supposed to send two objects of food to two Jews. Uh, why is that? So the idea of sending gifts to our neighbor, to our friends, is it brings Jews together. It brings us back close together. And when Haman started uh, his attack on the Jewish people, he says to Ahasuerus, the Persian king, there is a people who are scattered In other words, they're fractured. They're vulnerable because they're not united. And when 
Esther decides she's going to go beseech the king and uh, needs marriage. She says to Mordechai, gather all the Jews and let them fast and pray. But first gather them. In other words, in unity, we have incredible strength. And so it's a day where we want to try and connect to other Jews. Uh, more difficult in Corona times when we have limitations, but generally it's a day of socializing, running in and out of each other's homes, and uh, bringing gifts really gives one an excuse to uh, to go into into people's homes and uh, to see people you might not have seen, to touch base, to have a lachayim, as long as you have a designated driver, and um, bring people together. So uh, the third one, charity for the poor. So on Purim is the only day where when we give out money, we don't need to check the validity of the request. We don't need to check, is this person really needy? And what we say is that uh, we emulate the Almighty when we give charity. God is a giver. The world is cre- was built, was created through chesed, through, through, through God's giving. And on Purim, God didn't check if the Jewish people were worthy of being saved. Uh, the Talmud tells us they messed up. They went to this feast celebrating their downfall. They bowed down in front of Haman if he had an idol around his neck. But they turned to God and they prayed and God accepted them. So the idea is that if a needy person turns to us and makes a request, we answer it just like we turn to God with our requests and God answered it. So the idea is also that on Purim, uh, giving charity will give us merit before the Almighty. And here's where we come to another theme. The Kabbalists say that there is a connection between Purim and Yom Kippur. How could that be? It seems like they're the most different of holidays. So if you think about it, just the word Kippurim means Kippurim. The day that is like Purim. How is Purim like Yom Kippur? The two are completely different, or so it seems. So, and especially, we get to our fourth mitzvah of having a festive meal, which is called a mishteh, a drinking meal, right? So what is the, what is the idea? So both Yom Kippur and Purim have incredibly powerful spiritual potential. Now, we tapped into that on Yom Kippur through a purely spiritual path. We don't eat. We don't drink. We spend all day in synagogue. We do tshuva. We do, uh, we, uh, we, uh, do atonement. So we are focusing upon the spiritual. And we achieve joy through this newly found connection to the Almighty and purity. So on Purim also, we're achieving connection to the Almighty but it's through another path. Now, on the day before Tanit Esther, the fast of Esther, when we fast, uh, we do pray. And on Yom Kippur, we should be praying. But uh, the connection we have through the Almighty is through joy. It's through celebration. It's through having fun. And it's through the physical world. We eat, we party, we drink, we get together, we wear costumes. So what is that all about? So the idea is that we're bringing God out of the mundane. And yet it's all potentially there if we know how to access it through joy and through higher joy, right? Uh, Not through lower joy. 
We don't drunk to get inebriated. We drink in order to open up our hearts. We'll get to that in a second. So just like God was hidden in the Megillah, in the mundane events of the unfolding of the political scene in Shushan, God was hidden and yet there. So too, in our mundane lives of eating and drinking and partying, God is there if we look for it, if we unveil it, and if we bring it out. So uh, also just to note that the drinking and the costumes are really part of the Suda, part of the festive meal. And ideally one is drinking wine, although don't mix your wine and your heart alcohol, you'll get in trouble. But uh, uh, you won't feel so good after. Uh, but uh, those are part of the Suda, which is called the Mishte. So what is the idea of Mishte? So in the Purim story, there are several Mishte. There's the original party of six months that Ahasuerus had and that the Jews should not have been participating in. So in a sense, we're fixing, we're rectifying our misuse of Ahasuerus' party. And there's also the party that Esther used to set up Haman and to bring him down. So we're recreating that as well. Now, the drinking. So it says you drink until you don't know the difference between blessed is Mordechai and cursed is Haman. Yikes, that's pretty plastered. So don't worry, there are many leniencies that say you don't have to get that plastered. And if you throw up, uh, act uh, the way you shouldn't, you definitely should not be getting that drunk. So what is the idea behind it? So one idea is this. It says not until you don't know the difference between Mordechai and Haman, between what's good and bad, but you don't know the difference between blessed is Mordechai and cursed is Haman. Why? Because we so often rely upon our own rational faculties, and we have to to a certain extent. We try to figure out what's right and what's wrong, even in the moral grays of life, even the dilemmas with family members, workplace, ethical dilemmas, and we think we have it figured out. And what it's telling us is that don't be so sure about ourselves and just realize that really the source of what's right and wrong comes from the Almighty, comes from above, doesn't come from us. We are not the source of all. So if we have an ethical dilemma, try and find a Torah answer, consult a Torah sage, uh, look beyond ourselves and our own reason, because lots of people think they're so right and yet, we know they're not. So we let go of our own uh, sureness of our rational faculties. That's part of it. Um, but mostly the idea is that it says when we bring in wine, we let out our true selves. And that should be our divine self, our higher self, our souls. And um, and so that's what we're trying to achieve, trying to let out the part of us, which maybe sometimes is a little uh, repressed. Uh, we don't want to get too emotional with people who we love. And drinking can allow us to express ourselves more. Now, the costumes relate to this as well. What's the idea of the costumes? So there were lots of people um, wearing costumes in the Megillah story, right? Um, Esther, in a sense, put on an identity that wasn't hers. She was wearing a mask, hiding her Jewish identity. Haman put on the costume of the king. And 
the ultimate hiding is God who's hidden uh, in the veil of the Megillah. So what is the idea? The idea is that in life often we carry around different persona, our work persona, our friend persona, our family persona, and hopefully they reflect who we are, but not always. Sometimes we take on persona and our true self gets lost somewhere in between. So we put on the mask to remind ourselves of all the different masks we wear and to touch base to see are those persona that I have, is that the reflection of my true self or is that bringing me further away from who I'm supposed to be and from our relationship to the almighty? So that's the idea of the drinking and the costumes. There's a beautiful idea also about the physicality of the uh, materialism of the Hanukkah, of the Purim holiday, which is that Hanukkah, they tried to destroy us spiritually. They tried to rip away our Judaism. So we celebrate with a spiritual symbol with the menorah. On Purim, they tried to destroy us physically. So we celebrate with a physical celebration that's part of the joy and the thanks to the Almighty. And so we should look in our lives for the hiddenness within us and unveil our masks. We should look for the hiddenness of God in the world around us, and we should be in joy. It's a great mitzvah to be in joy. So we'll end with a joke. Who had the tallest family tree in history of anyone? Haman, who was hung on the tree that was 70 amas high. Okay, so we'll end with that. Quit while we're behind and uh, have a joyous and happy Purim to everyone.